Blog Talk Radio. Back at it again. It's another edition of the NFL Draft Bible Radio Show. Can you feel the football flowing through my veins, baby? <laughs> Woo. August 23rd, 2018. RIC in a place to be. Rick Saratella telling like it is when it comes to the NFL Draft since 2002. It's what we do. We will welcome in uh, Joe Everett and Justin Gamble in just a second, my two sidekicks. But first off, I want to talk about Pressure Sportswear, who is sponsoring today's show. Check them out at PressureSportswear.com, official clothing sponsor of the NFL Draft Bible. When you see us on the live streams, so freshly dressed to impress. Give a shout-out to the people at the Pressure Sportswear, folks. Can you handle pressure? We most certainly can. In fact, we're going to put some pressure on you, the listening audience. You know what? We're going to have a little bit of fun today. You know, we began as a publication back in 2002. From 2002 to 2010, we published eight NFL draft guides. If you're part of the Draft Bible Familia, if you're a disciple of the NFL Draft Bible, if you have one of those publications – Tag us on social media. Go to find us on the Twitterverse at NFL Draft Bible, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. Post a picture of one of those books. You holding the Draft Bible. I want to see it, and we'll send you a free hoodie courtesy of the good folks at Pressure Sportswear. I want to see where the disciples are all over the country. So tag us on a picture of you holding up an old Draft Bible. We'll send you a Draft Bible hoodie courtesy of the PressureSportswear.com, guys. All right, so today we're going to talk uh, Big 12. Big 12 football is where it's at. The number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, obviously uh, the top pick in the draft this year coming out of the Big 12. However, you know, they did have to wait about another 50 picks or so. Connor Williams at number 50th overall until we heard another Big 12 player selected. Uh, I will tell you this, a lot of underclassmen, a lot of transfer players, a lot of names to keep an eye on, uh, players who began elsewhere and finishing here is where it's at. All right, NFLDraftBible.com. Of course, you can follow us all over social media, like I just said, at NFL Draft Bible. Uh It's week zero. There's going to be college football in action this weekend. Uh, our first game is not until Thursday in terms of being on location. Uh, myself and uh, the super photographer, Adrian Terzuelli, uh, will be at the Wagner-Bowie State game. And if you haven't checked out this quarterback, Amir Hall, at Bowie State, I, I think he had like 48 touchdowns and four interceptions. I uh, was at Wagner practice earlier this week talking to Terrence Knight in Potrose, who is now uh, a defensive line coach over there at WAC. And he's like, this quarterback is just unbelievable. And he is on the NFL radar. So we'll, um, we'll have our thoughts on all the Wagner players. Of course, we spoke to Ryan Fultz, a running back there on uh, media day, but today's about the big 12. Uh, and that's where we started off and get it kicked off. Uh, so to do that, we have the director of scouting, Joe Ever, in the building. Actually, I should say, in Indianapolis. Of course, I'm over here at the Jersey Shore. I don't want to rub it in people's faces. But Joe, how's it going over there in Indiana? We are uh, back at it again with another college football season. We've broken down all the Power Five conferences, and today is uh, Big Twelve Showtime. I can't believe it. Uh, two days away from the from Saturday starting it off. I mean, it's a, sure, it's a soft opening, but it's real football. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be watching Duquesne at UMass drafting my fantasy mm-hmm. team, and all my league mates are going to be screaming at me like, Duquesne? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got to <laughs> see Andrew Ford from UMass for that football. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, uh, it's a great time of year. You know, we love this kind of stuff, and uh, yeah, who else is playing Saturday? We got Prairie View at Rice, Hawaii at Colorado State, Wyoming at New Mexico State, and I lied because uh, 
I, it, still, it looks like I think Justin might beat me out to a game this year because that Hawaii at Colorado State game, Justin, uh, I think – by the way, Joe Everett never leaving a stone unturned. Justin Gamble at Gam Scout, always banging him and bopping him over the head. I want to remind our listening audience of that. But, Justin, uh, <laughs> Hawaii at Colorado State on the docket. Big 12 action today on the podcast. How you doing over there in Colorado? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. I'm here courtesy uh, my sponsors, Keurig and Coffee itself in general. Um keeping me awake and alive, but uh, yeah, the Hawaii CSU kicking it off. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it. I think I have a hockey championship that night, dude, but we'll see. If uh, if they move the game time, then I'm going to head right up there to Fort Collins, and um, they have some prospects this year that, um, I, you know, haven't been seen, haven't shown up on the, on the statute a whole lot, and uh, the transfer from Tennessee, Preston Williams, the wide receiver, um, I hear height, weight, speed guy. I'm excited to see him. And then they had uh, Michael Gallup, sidekick, old B.C. Johnson, also wide receiver. So um, if I can get out there for the Hawaii game, I'm going to do it for sure. But I know I have at least, what, two more CSU games this year that I'll be making it out to. So hopefully, hopefully Colorado in general pumps out some dudes this year and I can get some good footage and get some good stuff on um, some of these prospects. Yeah, we'll be on location across the nation on any given Saturday. Up to uh, five or six of us will be on site at a college football game. So, again, we'll bring you live updates across the social media platforms. It's what we do here at the NFL Draft Bible.com since 2002. Let's kick it off with the senior prospects. Uh, we'll keep it seniors here to get started with the Big 12 conversation flow. And, of course, everybody loves to talk quarterbacks and I think it'll be interesting because, um, you know, we've we've spoken about Will Greer uh, on this show plenty of times last year as well. And I know Joe's a big fan. I know Justin not so much. So I want to hear each of your perspectives on Will Greer, what his draft stock is heading into the year, and how you see him at the next level. We'll begin first with Joe Everett. I, I like him. He's a savvy kid. Uh, nice touch. I think I'm looking right now, maybe day two. I don't think we're talking about a first round player by any means, uh, unless something like crazy. And so even if he breaks a bunch of records, they win a bunch of games. I, I don't know if I'm looking at a day one guy, but I know I'm looking at a guy that loves ball. Uh, you know, what he's gone through to get back in D1, moved around. He's definitely got some pelts up on the wall, and that shows. And I just like the way he can spin it. I think that touch he's got is really what's uh, going to separate him from the other quarterbacks. I think he places it better than some of these other quarterbacks that are being propped up into the first day. Um, the one thing I'm eager to see is what he's got after that broken middle finger. Because the last time I saw his hand, his uh, middle finger was pointed in a 90-degree angle the wrong way. So that's uh, that whole rehab process is going to be interesting, and uh, I'm I'm really seeing to tell the truth, I haven't seen him throw a ball since that injury. So that's uh, going to be a question mark. But overall, I like the prospect. Uh, I like him uh, embracing that whole Holgerson offense, and like uh, I think that's a player to where the, some of these other, like I said, other quarterbacks that I think for one reason or another, they're looking for an answer. They're looking for a guy to put it in the first day. I'm more than happy to wait on a guy like Greer because I don't, I don't know that uh, the general consensus on him is going to be that glowing, but if he's, if he's a player around in like round three, I'd be elated to have him. Yeah. I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes even higher than that. And Justin, you know, listen, I don't pay attention too much to the other draft sites out there, draft nicks, publications, insiders, whatever the case may be, but sometimes something comes across your timeline, you happen to see it. There are some folks out there touting Will Greer as the top quarterback in this year's draft class. Your thoughts, sir? Well, did you see my tweet yesterday? Is that why you said that I don't like Will Greer? Because I said he didn't have the strongest arm. Is that what I was about? Because, <laughs> truthfully, I don't dislike Will Greer. I think he's a solid player. I think he, uh, like Joe said, um, placement stands out on tape. Um, he doesn't have a cannon of an arm, like that tweet said. <laughs> uh, but he's got enough arm. Um, 
you know, I think his, some of his deep balls hang a little bit. But, again, I'm nitpicking. The guy, the guy can sling the ball, and he does. Uh, he's poised in the pocket. He knows how to slide and scramble. Occasionally he'll hold it a little too long. But I think it's important to kind of notice that a lot of these Big 12 systems, we just assume – um, and rightfully so, are pretty simple and, you know, tailor-made for the quarterback. But this West Virginia system asks him to make a lot of full-field reads. And when you break down some of their concepts, they're not wide-open isolation routes. They're layered. They're layered over each other. He's reading layers of defense. He's, you know, having to put the ball in the levels over guys, over linebackers, under safety. So um, some of the things he does are actually pretty impressive. I know he's not that tall. And I think that shows up sometimes because you'll see him kind of lean back, like, I need a few more inches. But um, overall, I, I like Will Greer. I think uh, I think Daniel Jeremiah compared him to, like, Andy Dalton. And I think he's better than Dalton coming out of, TC, uh, yeah, coming out of TCU. I think he extends plays better. I think he kind of wants it a little more. You know, like, he'll do more to keep a play alive. And to uh, he'll attempt throws Dalton really never did. So I think that's a, it's an okay comp, you know, stylistically, physically, they're maybe on the same ish level. But I think Will Greer has something a little more. Um, one of my buddies told me that he was noticing Will Greer's feet and and like delivery, and he said Greer kind of throws like a dad, and he does have kind of like this awkward, weird wind up sometimes where his feet get stuck and he kind of like hunches his shoulders back and really drives the ball in there. But it it, it doesn't look pretty, but he gets the job done. So. You know, I don't think he's the top quarterback in this class by any means. Um, but I do think that he's accurate to all levels. He uh, is good in the pocket. He can he can move and scramble. I just don't know what his standout trait is. I don't know what his calling card is. But overall, I think this is a solid quarterback. And I think what he's like, this is like, is he a redshirt senior? This is his fifth year? And he's done a lot to keep his career alive. And I think it's paid off because I think he's going to be a day two pick this year. So, um, yeah, I like Greer. In that tweet, all I said was he's definitely not the strongest arm in football, but uh, he's not lacking arm strength, so I'll give him that. He's a good player. All right, there you have it, Justin Gamble, giving us the breakdown on Will Greer, who did, uh, you know, he did begin his career there in Florida, uh, lost out to Jeff Driscoll in 2014, and later transferred, and that's going to be a big theme here. Believe me when I tell you, when I'm looking at my list, lots of transfers in this conference. Um, but let's keep it with the seniors. We'll keep it with you, Justin. Who are some guys that are heavily on your radar? There's a lot of seniors in the, in the Big 12. I mean, it's weird. We go through all these podcasts and all these conferences studying everybody, and it's hard to find them. But then I got here, and it feels like every player in the Big 12 has stayed all four years. So, uh, but there's some good ones. There's some really good ones. One that stood out to me that I have a few friends that have just, like, begged me to watch for a long time, uh, safety Jashawn Johnson from Texas Tech. Uh, he's little. He kind of – when you turn on the tape, you immediately notice he's not a big dude. I think he's listed 5'10", 185. I don't know if that's correct. I've seen him – you know, I've seen the weight and height an inch off, a few pounds off everywhere I go. But um, some of the notes I had written down after watching four or five games – I put quick AF, <laughs> uh, passionate, dog mentality. The guy tackles everything. Um, there's never a play where you see him doing anything but full sprint. I mean, full sprint, ripping for ball, doing everything he can. Um, rangy, always, you know, uh, has experience at both safety spots. And when he's, you know, the overhang defender down in the box, he's flying up. When you see him all the way at center field, the dude's roaming. He's just a rangy, quick little dude, but tackles well. I put chest up, doesn't back down, doesn't pack huge punch, but he brings it. Um, and the one thing that I, I noticed like five games in finally, he looks like Demarius Randall coming out of Arizona State. And Demarius Randall's a cornerback now, but when he was coming out of ASU, he was their free safety. Um, and I think he looks and kind of runs, moves physically. Everything about him looks exactly like Demarius Randall at Arizona State. Uh, he had 91 tackles in 2017. 65 of those are solo. This kid tackles everything. Um, physically, I don't think he's the most NFL-ready prototype type of guy, but just like Demarius Randall, he might have um, the ability to slide and play nickel, play just pure corner. 
I don't know, but this kid is a great player. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't have a round grade at this point, but I think day two at the very least is where this kid's going to go just because the quickness, the athleticism, the tackling ability, um, the range, you can't teach it. Uh, and, you know, he's just a dog. And to be a DB in the NFL, you got to have that dog mentality. And this kid's it. The way that he brings it every single game, being as small as he is, being undersized, being smaller than every guy he's tackling, um, is really impressive on tape. All right. Well, there you have it. You just pumped up his draft stock pretty good, Justin. Um, Any other seniors (laughs) that you want to cover, or should we toss it over to Joe? Let me, yeah, I got, I got another senior for you. Um, a guy that I haven't heard any talk about yet other than my buddy Justin Walters. He knows who he is. Uh, that's not his Twitter handle, but I don't think he'll let me say what his Twitter handle is on the air. But uh, left tackle from West Virginia, Yadni Kajus. Um, when you hear about all the offensive tackles and offensive linemen in this class, you don't hear any from the Big 12, and you definitely don't hear any from West Virginia. And when I heard this guy, I was like, there's no way a West Virginia tackle is going to be anything less than, you know, just mediocre, anything better than mediocre. But um, redshirt senior, listed at 6'5", 3'10", sat out 2016 with a knee injury, uh, stained it in the opener against Mizzou. But um, I think he's been called by a few publications, few people, you know, the best pass blocker in the Big 12. And when I turned on the film, um, he's a little upright. Not the best knee bender, but quick-footed, um, gets his punches out there. He really mirrors rushers well. Uh, and in the run game, he's not a slouch. He's not perfect, but he's no slouch. He can drive guys back if he gets his hands on you and gets low enough on you early. Um, I don't know how he's gone under the radar, maybe because he is in the Big 12, but Yadni Kajus, the left tackle from West Virginia, he's doing his part in keeping Will Greer upright. Um, I like him, and I think it's – needed that we get some more names in this offensive line class because it's looking kind of weak this year um, after a decently strong year last year. But um, Kajust from West Virginia. And uh, there's gosh, there's so many other seniors, so I don't want to take them all up. But, uh, yeah, write those two names down that I gave you because I think they're flying under the radar, and I don't know how. These guys are really good. They're, there's quality coming out of the Big 12 this year. Well, I am definitely going to dig into the safety because he was kind of under my radar here. Um, Kajus has come across my desk, and no relation to the Hard Knocks Kajus for the listening audience at home. Um, but, no, there's a couple there, – there actually are a couple offensive linemen here in this senior class. Before we get to Joe's guys, I don't want to steal his thunder, but uh, Ben Powers from Oklahoma – uh, he's a guy, I mean, we've profiled him for the last couple of years. All he's done is start since day one, and he's just a dirty dog in the trenches. How did, what, what did Jason Kelsey say in the Super Bowl? Uh, a nasty dog. I mean, that's what Ben Powers is. He's just a run-mauling beast there uh, for the Sooners. And then uh, a graduate transfer out of Rice. Rice will be in action this weekend. But Calvin Anderson, keep an eye out for his name. Uh, from what I've been told, he's come into Texas and has really wowed head coach Tom Herman. I believe he's slated to be their starting left tackle this year. So just an, uh, a name worth monitoring. And then the other guy that is also popping up across my desk coming through the emails, uh, Dalton Risner from Kansas State, another guy uh, started since a true freshman since day one there for the Hall of Fame coach, Coach Snyder. Um, so, you know, between Kajus, Powers, Anderson, Risner, we, we might see a couple guys get drafted here um, out of the Big 12 Conference on the offensive line. Uh, Joe, like Justin said, a lot of good senior players here. Who have we not yet mentioned? Yeah, Justin's right. It's like they all stayed four years, uh, and I thought that, Jayshon Johnson, that is definitely uh, perfect from my notes, man. I, I tell you, like, uh, feisty, uh, big-time tackler, one day will be a dominant nickel. I, I totally agree with that. And then, yeah, Risner, I think you're looking at this year's version of uh, Mason Cole from, like, the Michigan player. Risner's played a little center. He's played right tackle. But I will let people know, 
he never played left tackle, and we'll talk about their left tackle coming up. But uh, he's underclassman. Senior David Sills, well, we got to talk about last year's touchdown leader, recruited by Lane Kiffin to play quarterback. Holgerson turns him into a receiver. He's turned a lot of uh, what would be good quarterbacks into receiver. He's done the same thing to Phil Crest. Uh, did not work out as well for Crest as it has for Sills. Uh, just, just a jump ball specialist. But he didn't even lead the team in receptions. Uh, or receiving, that's actually Gary Jennings, uh, who's another senior. So they really, with Greer and, and these two seniors at wideout, they've got quite the attack. The line, as you mentioned, could juice. They've got another tackle. His name's slipping my mind, underclassman that plays on the right side that's uh, going to be a player too. So West Virginia's poised. I think the two defensive linemen at, at what, Texas, Charles Omen, Omenehu, or Omenehu, I think is how you say He's look He looks like Eric Armstead, 6'6". Six, six, tree trunks for arms. He's not like an ideal edge guy, but he brings some real scheme versatility. I've seen him line up a number of different places, and that's that's what's going to entice those teams. Uh, he, I think he could rush inside on passing downs. You could play him at a five-tech, just about anywhere. And then uh, we got those bloodlines. Daniel Weiss, the younger brother at Dietrich Weiss, is at Kansas, believe it or not. There's some reasons to watch Kansas ball, and Weiss is one. He's a uh, real presence rushing the passer. He stops to run, but he goes all the way till the whistle. He's one of those real high-motor guys uh, making plays all over the play, like chasing down runs that he's got no business chasing down. So I think Daniel Weiss, he might – I think he's got a better motor than his older brother, to, to be honest there. And then uh, just a guy I've been following since day one of his career, Jalen Hurd, was at Tennessee. Uh, he was a running back and mm-hmm. then uh, kind of lost out to some guy – I don't know, some transfer from Alabama named Alvin Kamara. I'm not sure if he's good or not, but uh, Hurd, anyways, decided to switch schools. He dropped some weight. Now he's a wideout at Baylor. Uh, complete transformation, and Matt Rule is saying all the right things about Hurd and and what he's doing there. So uh, we'll see how he looks. I've just, I don't care where he plays. It's a guy, I know he's got game. I've seen him do it. He just looked like a stud as a true frosh out there. So I, I, that's a guy you, you just got to keep tabs on. And then, um, yeah, rounding out the senior class, uh, Dervon Askew-Henry somehow is still at West Virginia. I don't know how he got extra eligibility. And uh, same guy cut from the same cloth, Cavante Turpin. Is it his eighth year at TCU? I'm not real sure. Crazy good kick returner, but I don't know how they managed to, to keep him in school. And then I'll round it out with Brian Peavy, Iowa State, real physical corner and just – What's going on in Iowa State right now? You know Matt Campbell. He's got that that program completely turned around, and that's a guy I don't think he's going to be in Ames too much longer, guys. Uh, I I have to believe that Matt Campbell is the hottest young head coaching candidate in the nation right now, Uh, and I'm surprised we didn't hear his name brought up uh, more with, with some of these openings, and who knows, maybe he's coaching Ohio State next year. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think his tenure, <laughs> his tenure is going to be short lived there. Uh, speaking of Iowa state, listen, I don't know if he's a pro prospect, but that Kyle Kemp that came in and, and shocked the world with the, the upset win over Oklahoma had the, the, uh, cyclones, uh, rolling there. Um, you know, he, he's back, he's back for his sixth year. And you mentioned West Virginia, uh, you know, it's funny, all these extra years of eligibility. I mean, David Sills, it, it seems like just yesterday Lane Kiffin was offering him a, a scholarship to USC, uh, one of the youngest players ever. And that that was actually eight years ago, guys. And, you know, we all thought he was going to be the next QB boy wonder of the Trojans when Lane was there at USC. Now here he is eight years later as a uh, – potential wide receiver prospect. And you mentioned Jalen Hurd, uh, Joe. I'm curious, you know, is he a wide receiver, though, at the next level? Is he going to be more of a tight end or even like a Trey Burton H-back kind of role at the next level? I mean, how are you envisioning him being used in the NFL? I think you – I think you nailed it. Like a, a not not like a Jordan Reed, but more of a Trey Burton kind of jack of all trades, master none. And I think they'll have him gain some more weight. I don't see his future at wideout, uh, but he's he's definitely. I don't know. There's just something about his games where you know if he gets that ball in his hands, he's 
he's just such a big kid. He's going to be hard to tackle. I know that. Yeah, he's definitely come a long way, as you mentioned, from Tennessee. Another graduate transfer just to keep an eye on is uh, Trey Watson at Texas, a graduate transfer from Cal. Uh, He was averaging, I think, five yards a carry and ten yards a catch. Uh, versatile kind of do it all back, but listen, he you know he chose Tom Herman and, and the Longhorns. He uh, passed up the opportunity to go play at LSU. Uh, it was also offered at Texas Tech. He chose Texas, and and it looks like he's going to start. So we'll see what he does with that opportunity uh, coming over from Cal, and then you know the the TCU kid Ben Benogu. You know, he's a transfer. He came over from Louisiana Monroe, um, 16-and-a-half tackles for loss, eight-and-a-half sacks, three forced fumbles a year ago. But you got to love his athleticism, size, and ability to play the edge at six foot four, 250 pounds. This is a legitimate 4-3, hand-in-the-dirt defensive end at the next level. Um, so TCU is definitely going to have plenty of uh, scouts come through to check him out. Uh, one other senior, eh, I lied. How about two more? <laughs> Dakota Allen, Texas Tech. Why can't we mention him? Last chance U fame. Uh, got kicked out of Texas Tech. Went to East Mississippi Community College. You know, was on the Netflix show back at Texas Tech and back on the NFL radar. And then you know, going back to Texas, uh, Chris Boyd. You know, I really just he's been playing getting some PT there since a freshman. I love, you know, his playmaking news for the football kind of um, has played just about every position in the secondary there at Texas. And that'll be the last senior. And since I'm on senior safeties, uh, I'll transition to juniors and draft eligible underclassmen. His teammate, Brandon Jones, also there at Texas, pair of six foot, 200-pound safeties. Uh, if Jones comes out this year, they could both be selected in this year's draft. But that that safety duo of Boyd and Jones in Texas is definitely worth keeping an eye on. So I'll kick off the underclassmen conversation flow there. I do have some others. I'll hold off for Joe and Justin. First off, over to Joe Everett. We're talking Big 12 2019 NFL Draft Preview. Draft eligible underclassmen, Joe. Who you got for us? Well, it's it's got to be David Montgomery, Iowa State. That's uh, the the big name, uh, Richard Jr. Super competitive runner, uh, quality receiver. I'm not sure uh, what he's going to run as far as time speed. He's one of those players uh, I'm like uh, suspect. Uh, I, I don't care what he runs, but. He's one of those guys. I think he's really getting by on instincts and and superb vision. That's that's what his his, his greatest calling card is. He sees the back cut. He uh, just understands play flow. He's very patient and uh, like I, he just consistently breaks that first tackler. It's like you can almost count it off every time. Like he's out. Who's next? Um, uh, that's just kind of things great runners do. He's always just focused on the next guy and instinctively just can shed that first man. Uh, he's he's just a he's a really effective runner. And then the Oklahoma kid also has to be brought to it. I'm I'm just. I'm not. I'm skeptical. The guy has had a rough medical history. I think he broke his leg, messed up his knee. He missed one whole year with a neck injury, which is always a real big red flag. Uh, but when when he gets on the field, he's terrific. I mean, just super explosive. He's got nice size. He just really looks like a big bowling ball with eyes when he gets going. So I'm. I'm there's a lot to like. It's just that medical will uh, haunt him. I think the most intriguing underclassman's got to be Colin Johnson at Texas. It's the kids built like Calvin Johnson. It's just he's got a game a little more like Charles Johnson right now. I'm not seeing uh, the actual on-field production. There's a reason, like, you know, he lost his starting spot, and that's not just the coach trying to send a message. You know, coaches want to – get the best players on the field. They're not trying to go up there and get fired. And uh, I, I think, yeah, this 
something needs to be looked into. Why Johnson didn't get more playing time? Why he's not out there making the plays that he should be making uh, for a guy with his athletic ability, his size? It's just he's kind of a frustrating case for me. Um, he's, a, he's just mm-hmm. always been a player leaving me wanting more. So uh, yeah, Colin Johnson just a little perplexing. And then I know I'm I sound like a West Virginia fan, but that David Long, the linebacker they've got. Kid lives in the backfield. He's uh, not an edge guy, but they do use him as a blitzer. I think he's going to be a third-year starter this year and likely going to lead the team in tackles again and really running the show for Tony Gibson's 3-3-5. And the guy I teased earlier, uh, you took Ben Bonagu from me, Rick, who I, I love, but a guy I love even more, Scott France, left tackle Kansas State. He's been at left tackle since his redshirt freshman season and hadn't moved. Since then, the first game I watched was, I think, two years ago, bowl game against some kid named Miles Garrett. Not sure where he ended up. But uh, I'm telling you, France won a lot of those reps. And for a redshirt freshman to go against number one overall draft pick, that's uh, that's some good footage for that kid. He's really not talked about that much. I don't know that he's a tackle at the next level, but I know Scott France is going to be playing some pro ball uh, when he decides to do it. Um, and then I guess I'll close it out with that tackle at Kansas again. I'm not a Kansas fan by any means, but I really like that left tackle. They got the Hakeem Adeniji. He started there. Another guy, true freshman, hadn't moved since. I think he played all last season with a torn labrum and made all conference. That kid is a, I think he's a little badass and you want a, a real underrated player. Uh, that's one, and I'll, I'll close it out again. I, know, I promise to close it out. I will not, though. Malcolm Roach, <laughs> Texas, edge rusher. I like his style. He's not got that perfect body by any means. He doesn't, like, look like a player, but the the, the whistle blows, the game starts, and he's, he's, he's not finesse. He just wins with power right now and, and speed, but uh, there's some raw ability with Malcolm Roach, uh, I think, for the Longhorns. Yeah, you know, there's so much talent on this Texas roster, these names that just uh, keep popping up. And um coach that was there, his name has slipped in my mind uh, before Herman. Charlie he just, Strong. Charlie Strong. He recruited so well. He just couldn't kind of put the whole package together. And I think I'll be honest with, with Herman's recruiting combined with uh, some of the players that were there, this could be the year you know, a lot of people are saying it's going to be another year or two till they compete for the conference. I don't know. I mean, I know Oklahoma named Kyler Murray, the starting quarterback today, big shoes to fill there, but I wouldn't be surprised if Texas uh, wins this conference. There's my hot take of the day. And you mentioned Colin Johnson, who, you know, you're right, Joe, frustrating prospect to watch in his development. Um, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of Sammy Coates, where great size, tremendous speed, flashes enormous potential, and then disappears. I mean, falls off the face of the earth. Um, yeah, what what's going on that this six foot six, two hundred and twenty pound freak specimen can't dominate? You know, and I've seen him drop some balls and just really get me so excited and then so frustrated. Um, yeah, well, well, I think this is a make-or-break season uh, for Colin Johnson in Texas. So uh, some good junior players there, some more junior players coming up over to Justin Gamble. A lot of Colin Johnson talk on the air today. Dig it, but hey now, yeah, I, he's frustrated, man. And I think the one thing that stood out to me about Colin is when he gets the ball in his hand, you see his stride, and it's a little tight. He doesn't really have that hip mobility. You can see it's kind of like a tight, shorter stride. And I wish, maybe, and I don't know if that has anything to do with, you know, it, it does limit him in his route tree because his transition, his breaks, they're they're a little weird and sloppy. It looks like he's kind of fighting his own his own lower half when he runs. But, I mean, a guy that big, it almost doesn't even matter if he's open because he's always open. I mean, you know, he could be have someone draped all over him and at 6'6", just put it up. But I think the real Big 12 wide receiver that we should be looking at or talking about is the junior from Baylor, Denzel Mims. Um, 6'3", 210. Uh, he was a high school champion sprinter. 
the kid, ha- and, you know, I mean, it translates on film. This kid can fly. Once he gets that ball in his hand, he is gone. And, I mean, even they, they just send him on any deep route, and you can see he's even, and then all of a sudden he's leaving. Um, he had 61 receptions last year for 1,087 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, and I think, you know, the funny thing about him is when you watch, his game is so unrefined. He's getting by on just – I mean, he's surviving on just – pure talent and athleticism, but I think there's a lot to be tapped into here. He kind of looks like Amon Richards, but maybe a little twitchier and a lot more raw. I mean, definitely more raw, but, you know, the athleticism, the ability is absolutely there. I'm excited to see what he can do with another full year under his belt. Um, We talked about Brandon Jones from Texas, the safety. I like him. He's got that sturdy frame. He's a good tackler bit of an ankle biter tackler and I think he's gonna have to clean it up because NFL runners are gonna break those tackles but um, you know the poise that he has in coverage and even against the run you can see him a lot of guys kind of panic and shuffle their feet he just waits and keys it and then flies up to get it whether it's a run play and he's up you know his closing speed is that is amazing by the way I mean you you see him key it up and then all of a sudden bam I mean he's moving and making a play on the ball but I think he's a smart, smart safety. He kind of looks like Jamal Adams at LSU a little bit, just the way that he kind of carries himself and, um, you know, makes the same type of plays, especially against the run. Uh, I don't think he's as physical, but he is a guy that is going to bring, you know, he's going to bring a little thump when he comes up, and he's going to let you know that he got there because he's flying in fast. I like him a lot. Um, TCU has two runner running backs that, you know, don't seem to get much love either. Siwo Olanalua. Uh, 6'3", 225, not ideal height for running back. But, I mean, we've seen it work in the NFL these days. And I think the weird thing with Siwo is a lot of the, the taller guys kind of clunky and they kind of need runways to get going. But Siwo has a real fluid lower half. Um, he has light feet, and he's really nimble in traffic. Um, he doesn't really need that typical Derrick Henry, Bo Scarborough, you know, open lane to get his feet moving. He can kind of dance and tiptoe around guys. And, you know, that's refreshing to see because I I saw his height and immediately it was like, here we go, or, you know, I'm going to see another one of the typical dudes. But um, you can catch the ball. He plays a lot smaller than he is, which is a compliment to him because um, I think he's going to be more versatile and more and less scheme dependent than some of these other guys. And then they have the smaller, shiftier speed back. And he's not really that small. Darius Anderson's 5'11", 205. but, I mean, this kid's a big play threat. Every time he touches the ball, his burst is on display, his long speed. I think he's a big-time threat to take it to the house any time. Again, another guy that can catch the ball well, too, they, you know, TCU uses all their running backs in the passing game. Um, and I think these two have some special ability to be, you know, the one-two punch that it might be the best in the Big 12, my rival for one of the better duos in the nation. Um, so, you know, both juniors, both eligible they have a big year. We could see TCU lose two of their guys, but, you know, these two have day two potential. I'll say that. So, you know, I'm excited for them. And then Joe brought up Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma, I believe. Uh, he tore up that Georgia game. You know, they lost the game. But uh, this kid's a special player. I, I think it's hard to find a comp for him. I've been trying to figure out who he reminds me of, and I really can't do it because he is a weird blend of size and power and speed, and he's nimble. Um, but, you know, again, another year under his belt, if he can, geez, blow up the stat sheet like he started to do last year, um, we could see a day one runner come out. I know he has, I think he has the injury history, but, um, you know, the Big 12 has some good running backs this year, man. So, these good skill players in general. It's, it's typical Big 12, though. We have a lot of offensive talent, a ton of offensive talent. Um, defense is catching up. The more I watch the Big 12, the defense is catching up. But the offensive talent in the Big 12 this year is nice. Yeah, and we have not even yet spoken of another junior running back in Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State. Um, maybe more of a day three guy. You know, 170-pound guy. You know, we'll see. Uh, I was curious, the TCU, the big boy you mentioned, uh, Justin, what, what's that – kid weighing do we do we have a white a weight on him uh he's listed at like 225 but who knows you know it's, it's hard to tell he look he probably looks about 225 so i wouldn't say that's too far off but 
Uh, he plays plays big, plays powerful, but like I said, he's so nimble. It's he's just an odd specimen. Not you know, not your typical tall dude, and that's why I really want to see him get more carries this year and see what he's really made of. Yeah, always interesting to see those big bruising backs. And, uh, you know, Christian Okoye comes to mind when you talk about a nimble big boy running back. Um, Also, you know, uh, Joe mentioned David Montgomery. I've seen some uh, not-so-flattering tweets from you, Justin, on on Montgomery. Your thoughts on him? I said, well, Joe kind of mentioned it. I think it's hard to figure out what his trump card is or, like, how he's really going to win in the NFL because he's surviving off of just, Big 12 tackling, which is non-existent. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, you know, if, in, in most other conferences, he's going down. People are grabbing him, but too often you see it looks like a bunch of high school kids trying to tackle him, and you realize, like, oh, he's playing Iowa State or whoever, he's, or Oklahoma State that day, and it's just they can't tackle. But he's a good player. I mean, he's shifty, he's bouncy. But the thing is, is he's bouncy and he makes great cuts, but he's not explosive out of those cuts. So he might make a guy miss, but that same guy has the opportunity to turn around and catch him from behind. And I think you see that too often with him. Um, I hate to bring up stats. I know he had a bad offensive line, but to be touted as possible running back one and only have 4.4 yards per carry average in the Big 12, give me a break. Damian Harris is averaging over seven (laughs) yards per carry in the SEC. It's just kind of crazy to see, and, you know, it's crazy to see a guy that's this not physically gifted be touted so highly. I think he's a good player. He catches the ball well. He's a great contact balance. He's bruising, but he doesn't have a trump card that's really going to let him win consistently in the NFL. Even if he becomes a team's number one running back, he's that guy that they're always going to be looking to replace or add more to because he's just not that dynamic. He's not a game breaker, so. You know, I like the kid, I like his game, but I'm not seeing this top running back talk. That's that's crazy for me. And while I have second, we cannot forget the speedster from Oklahoma, Hollywood Brown, uh, the junior wide receiver. This kid was Baker Mayfield's, you know, top deep threat last year, and I think he has a legit four three speed. Uh, I don't see him list. I don't see him talked about among the wide receivers a whole lot. I don't know how because all his plays are splash plays, but. This kid has legit, legit speed. Um, I think his biggest concern, obviously, is going to be that size and getting off press, um, going over the middle because he's so little. But if we're talking about the premier deep threats this year, Marquise Brown has to be the guy that we talk about. Well, I'm glad you brought up deep threats because that's a beautiful lead into uh, a guy that, you know, you talk to people – and I. I hate to go back to the Texas uh, wishing well, but you talk to people around that program, they will tell you this uh, little Humber? Jordan Humphrey. Oh, little Jordan. Little Jordan Humphrey. Oh, little Jordan. Uh, <laughs> this guy has had a phenomenal camp. And uh, that's little with apostrophe, Jordan, first name. Uh, last name, Humphrey. <laughs> and, you know, from everything I've heard, he's just you can't keep up with him one-on-one. Uh, he's just making, you know, burnt French toast out of the uh, Longhorns. Talented secondary there. He's a guy that you'll see on bubble screens. He's a guy you'll see on end arounds. He's a guy, I believe, even last year lined up in the backfield when they were on the goal line. So he's just really an offensive weapon. And uh, a lot of buzz about him breaking out with a big season this year. So we'll keep an eye on him. Um All right, we're talking Big 12 football. If you don't know, now you know. We can't stop. We won't stop. We don't even know how to stop, baby. Uh, You can catch all our big Power 5 conference preview shows up on the NFLDraftBible.com. We're also on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, all that fun stuff. Um, And, yeah, we've got a lot of great content there on the NFL Draft Bible Player Spotlight shows. We're uh, unveiling a lot of first and ten interviews where we, you know, go uh, ten questions one-on-one with the NFL draft prospects. And, uh, you know, I had a chance to visit some training camps and watch some preseason. I have my preseason observation thoughts on the Giants, Jets, Patriots, and Eagles, if you're into that kind of thing. 
Uh, of course, I think there's more preseason action tonight, gentlemen, if I'm not mistaken. Um, always a good time. Justin, did I send you the Game Pass login info? I forgot to ask you that. You did. You did. I've already been using it. So, okay, cool. All right. <laughs> Very good. Um, live radio, folks. It's what we do here. Brought to you by Pressure Sportswear. Te- check out our good friends at PressureSportswear.com. If you're just tuning in to the show at the top of the show, I said if you tag us on social media, holding a copy of one of the hard copy books of the NFL Draft Bible publication from 2002 to 2010, we did eight publications. If you have one, I want to know where all our disciples are. Tag us on Twitter or any social media, Instagram, Facebook. We'll send you out an NFL Draft Bible hoodie because we appreciate all the love and support that you guys show us. And because you've patiently waited and gotten through the episode this far, for me, here comes the fun stuff, the good stuff, uh, the future watch. You know, not only are we giving you names for 2019 and 2020, but we go beyond, geez, 2021, 2022, those drafts will be here before you know it. Probably, if I hear correctly, it's uh, Nashville and then Canton in 2020 for the uh, 100 year anniversary. And then I think it's going to go to Las Vegas for the 2021 draft. So Nashville, Canton, Las Vegas, probably the next three pit stops on the NFL draft tour. Uh, We got a few minutes to mess around with Justin, any other players here that we haven't mentioned, any freshman impact players, sophomore sensations that we should keep an eye on. Yeah, I got a few, let's see, a few names. Um, Texas has one more receiver that was a big recruit coming out, and he hasn't really done anything since being there. But maybe Tom Herman's going to get the most out of this guy this year. I don't know. But John Burt, 6'3", 200 pounds, has burner speed. He's put it on tape a few times, but, like, not really. <laughs> but, I mean – he was recruited because he's a freak athlete. I mean, the kid's got a loose stride. He's got easy speed. You can see him getting behind people at will. But he just hasn't put it together. And I know last year watching them live a few times, um, just trying to find, you know, see what this kid could do. And he's dropping balls, which is, you know, wider. that's the number one thing you can't do as a receiver. But John Burt is just a name to jot down just in case this kid does break out. You can, you know, compliment me on Twitter, say something nice. I don't know for once, but whatever, John Burt. Uh Oklahoma also has two young kids, um, C.D. Lamb, the wide receiver. Uh, he's going to be a true sophomore this year. But this kid is a height, weight, speed freak, and maybe just height, speed, because I don't think the weight is caught up yet. Um, but some of the catches he made last year, some of the moves that he's putting on some of these corners, um, his, his releases off the line, he might. This kid might have some special ability down the road. Um, just being so big and so gifted athletically, I think that you know a lot of their other guys look appear to be smaller, kind of the shiftier type. But this kid has the ability to be that big number one receiver down the road. Um, you know, and that's high praise. But I think he made some impressive plays last year that you know have me pretty excited. And then they have their sophomore running back Trey Sermon. Uh, who had some great plays. He's another name to add to the 2020 running back class that we can see might be historic. I mean, that class looks loaded. But Sermon's another name to know. I believe he was number four for them. Just another guy that has all the tools. He's a big dude. He's fast. He's powerful. There's really nothing he can't do. Um, He looks like another, you know, NFL prototype where, again, just has everything you look for. There's nothing he's not – um, one of the smaller, shiftier guys or whatever, he's the number one running back type where you could see him coming into the league and becoming a team's workhorse. So um, Oklahoma recruiting well, pumping out the young kids. And, um, yeah, hopefully John Burt breaks out this year and makes me look smart. I don't know. And maybe even get Justin a compliment on Twitter. Maybe give me a compliment for once. For Why once is it ever. so hard, Justin? Why is it so hard for people to just – pat you on the back and just give credit where credit is due. I mean, uh, maybe I'm not doing something right. I don't know. I just wild people up. It's crazy. 
<laughs> well, you always got a few likes and retweets coming from the draft Bible familia. Um, you know, Joe, I know you never leave the stone unturned. Who you got on the future radar watch for us? Well, yeah, future and potential breakouts definitely took one of mine and C.D. Lamb. And then I also think that I wanted to talk about Darius Anderson to the TCU kid. I, I think he's the most, not the most, but one of them, uh, the runners in this conference, how fast he torques up to his top gear, uh, just love his acceleration. And, it, you know, some people may think he's just more of like a satellite player. Yeah, 205, as Justin said, he's he's bringing some weight too. I, mean, I think he missed a lot of time this last year with a foot injury. I, I see him breaking out in a big way. And then we should just, I think due to mention Kyler Murray, you know, only played, I think he's only going to play one year. He's already making millions, but there's still a division one NCAA athlete. That's fine with the rules. Apparently. Um, I love the, the, the narrative that he, he might have to compete for this job. I doubt he turned down the Oakland athletics of $5 million to, to, to go compete with another quarterback. I'm pretty sure we'll see him start. Uh, TCU's no, got a receiver. They, they uh, actually named it right before the show today, Joe. Right before we went on air, they okay. named him the starter. And and it yeah, so I've I've been shocked if it was the other guy, but uh, I think attack of these sophomore wide receivers uh, that Jalen Rager for TCU, um, he's not as tall as the Lamb kid from Oklahoma, but Rager is a mover. Uh, I mean, just really elusive when he gets the ball in his hands. That's uh, I think more today's receiver that they're wanting, a guy that can just run all day long, takes no breaks off, and just gets behind the defense. Um, Parnell Motley at Oklahoma, too, the corner. Just really nice build. That looks like an NFL player to me. And, like, yeah, we could just keep dapping off Oklahoma. They're going to have another tight end. I don't know that he's the NFL prospect that Mark Andrews is, but he he might actually be a better collegiate tight end, uh, Grant Calcaterra. Uh, and then mm. uh, you're, I'm, I'm taking from your neck of the woods here, Matt Rule. Matt Rule is Steven mm-hmm. from Jersey. Uh, Harrison yep. Hand, that Baylor corner, I think, does he be a true sophomore this year? He was uh, just crazy good as a true freshman. Nine pass breakups. I've just one of the few parts of that roster. I think they enter into next season like, well, we've got that taken care of. I think uh, Hand's going to develop into a, a big time player, and yeah, just a few other corners. Uh, Corian Harris, uh, another Kansas player, believe it or not. But uh, the the coaches are super fired up about the freshman there. He's another six foot one kid, and another freshman, Caden Stearns at Texas. Uh, the Texas wishing well is deep; it knows no end. Uh, this Caden Stearns, the the coaches are talking about, he might uh, buy for starting time, which is saying something with that secondary in Austin. And then I'll close this out. We got to pour one out. Uh, were he not out for the year with a torn Achilles, we would be watching a fine defensive tackle at TCU by the name of Ross Blacklock. Uh, but uh, he's going to miss a year. I'm assuming he'll get a medical hardship and uh, take a red shirt. But entering in next season, do not forget the name Ross Blacklock. He's uh, just a high-motor, big-time player on the interior defensive line. Uh, he, he'll be back from this injury. Where's our super producer when we need her? Cue up the Tupac. Pour out a little liquor. We'll see you next year. Um, You know, listen, I got to say, you mentioned Grant Calcaterra from Oklahoma. I got to go back to to that guy because I call him the Italian sub, and not just because that's what I was eating before we came on the air. (laughs) Doing my last second research, I really was. But when he subbed in for Mark Andrews last year, uh, he had a trio of big touchdowns. I think he had like 180 yards on 10 catches. I mean, he just made big play after big play. Uh, You want to talk about a sophomore sensation, Grant Calcaterra, the tight end from Oklahoma, could be. Where did Mark Andrews go again, Joe? Second, third round? Baltimore. Oh, fourth round. Well, I think it was a fourth round. Fourth round. I think this kid could go even higher. Uh, So definitely a future watch there. And you mentioned our buddy Matt Rule down in Baylor. Listen, he interviewed for the Indianapolis Colts head coaching job on the low low. If he makes it, you know, if he if he can get through three or four years at Baylor without getting a bigger, better job, 
he's going to turn that program around. I know they didn't win a game or they only won one game last year, but they were in every single game was, was a slobber knocker. And, you know, you mentioned the corner, Joe, they got a pair of sophomore defensive linemen there, uh, defensive end, BJ Thompson. He's bulked up 15 pounds at six foot six. He's only 225 pounds, but the kid's only a sophomore. He's a rangy, tall, athletic defensive end in the mold of a Deion Jordan. Um, James Lynch, his counterpart, is on the inside, also a sophomore at uh, 6'4", 285 pounds. He's arguably had the best training camp in that Baylor Bears football team. So whatever that's worth coming out of Matt Rule's mouth, uh, that that tells me I should pay attention. Um, And then also – there's a wide receiver over there in West Virginia. Yes, another one by the name of T.J. Simmons. He's a transfer from Alabama. Um, so he's a, a bust-out candidate. And then the middle linebacker taking over for Joel Lanning. We spoke about Joel Lanning on the path to the draft last year. There's a redshirt freshman they're going to plug in there by the name of Orion Vance. Orion Vance. Um Apparently, he is pretty well advanced, uh, redshirt freshman. He will get the start there. And then, you know, this Texas Tech quarterback, I haven't had a chance to really watch him. Uh, Don't know too much about him other than the fact that he's been drawing comparisons to Patrick Mahomes. And his name is Jet Duffy, Jet two T's, Duffy with two F's. Uh, we'll keep an eye on you, Jet. So, there's the future watch here on the NFL Draft Bible Radio <laughs> Show. Man, I'll tell you, another hour of power. I mean, just th- the time on this show flies by so freaking fast. Um, but th- it's always a pleasure chatting football with you guys. Parting shot for the people, Joe. I apologize. Mark Andrews was drafted in the third round. Um uh, uh, I'll give you guys a, a play. I'll take the under uh, Saturday night, uh, New Mexico State, Wyoming. Wyoming couldn't score points with Josh Allen. What are they going to do without him? New Mexico State lost their quarterback. They lost Jaleel Scott. They lost their running back. Uh, Frank Spaziani runs a heck of a defense, former Boston College hey. head coach. Wow. Uh, so I'm going to go Aggies, Cowboys, under 45, that's that's your free play. And then, you know, before the season starts, we got all these conferences. We didn't get my team, Notre Dame, the independence, mm. because I mm-hmm. have football independence. I'm going to give you guys a sleeper. <laughs> Everyone wants to talk about tight ends at Notre Dame. It is tight end you. And, oh, Alizé Mack, how, or is it Alizé Jones? Whatever he wants to call himself today. <laughs> that's not the guy. The guy is actually the starting pitcher on the baseball team, Cole Komet. Do not say you didn't hear this name before because the kid is going to be a stud. Uh, he may get a, a Major League Baseball contract as well like Kyler Murray along the way, but uh, I, I'm seeing an NFL tight end that I have not heard a whisper of. Uh, he's a true soft. Uh, right now, Cole Komet, I think, is just one of those kids uh, – Light a match because the fire is about to start at South Bend. I love it. I love it, Joe. Um, yeah, Alizé Mack, you know, the Las Vegas product, just um, has another guy like, like Colin Johnson hasn't been able to put it together. Right. Uh, always a good time, Joe. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe W. Everett. He's the director of operations here at the NFL Draft Bible, never leaving a stone unturned. And if you like those free plays, if you like those pickums, you can check them out during the week on the Bang the Book podcast at Bang the Book. We put it out there on the Draft Bible timeline as well. Um, Frank Spaziani dropping another uh, paisan on him. You know we gotta we gotta get our recognition where we can. Not too many uh, out there in the pro football world. Justin, uh, parting shot for the people here before we wrap things up. Well, I haven't done a lot of research into this, so I'll say that. That's, that's, that I'll start with that. But um, just looking at the Big 12 this year, um, I'm gonna, I, I don't think there's a playoff team here. And I bet Oklahoma loses at least – I think they lose two games this year. 
um, losing Mayfield and just some of the other guys that had to depart, the, the culture is going to change a little bit. Lincoln Riley's a stud, but new quarterbacks, some new players coming in that are, you know, forced into starting roles and just some of the games they were in last year that were so tight and looking at, you know, a lot of the returning guys from other teams. And um, I, I think the Big 12 is going to be competitive this year. And I don't mean nationally. I mean just within itself. But I think, you know, West Virginia has a chance to be a really darn good team. I think Texas is going to be a lot better than people expect. And Texas Tech is coming up as well. Uh, I think the Big 12 might kind of cannibalize itself this year. And I think, the you know, the front runner, obviously, for everyone is Oklahoma. But I think they lose two games this year. So, you know, like I said, I didn't do a whole lot of research. I haven't even looked at their schedule. But that's just what I'm feeling right now. That's my hot take. Well, give um, us a so team. Who, who you got? Who you got? Who's taking it? Who do I have as what? Winning the, the Big 12? The con- Yeah, absolutely. I think West Virginia. I think they have so many seniors. They have oh. key pieces where it matters. I think West Virginia is the team that comes out on top this year. The senior safety, Drayvon Deskew Henry. They got Will Greer. They got all the receiving core. That uh, That's a talented receiving core, too. Um, I think, yeah, I think West Virginia is the team this year that rises and comes out on top and uh, kind of shocks the rest of the conference. Joe, sounds like you got something to say. Oh no, I just like the pick. Uh, that, that's there's a lot of talent in West Virginia. They're not the team I would go with, but uh, I will say that linebacker David Long, he makes that defense fast. Uh, I can't wait to see where he ends up. So who you got, Joe? I'm gonna go Longhorns and Tom Herman. He's finally gonna get the job done. That recruiting, the the players they've got, it's I think it's finally going to amount to uh, a conference title. All right, very interesting stuff, especially when you consider, yeah, the national consensus. Every almost everybody has Oklahoma taking it. I'll do one more before we wrap it up for you guys, since we're getting into the props. Out of all the players we just talked about on this podcast show, let's fast forward to April. Who is going to come off the board? First, amongst all the players that we talk about, who is the top prospect in the conference? Baker Mayfield went number one overall last year, top pick in the draft. I don't know. Do we have a first-round pick? Who's the top guy here, Joe? Dave Sills in the first round of my first mock draft, so I I guess I'll begrudgingly go with him, but I I think it was Aaronis. I probably just you know, put him in there uh, just to prop a, a receiver. I think I needed a wide out. I don't think we got one, uh, but I'll yeah, I guess I'll stick with Sills. I th- I think he's a top hundred pick. It's just uh, you worry about if he shows up at the combine, runs some four six odd forty, and it's like ooh yeah, you're day three now. So, but I'll stick with Sills. You say erroneous. I say erroneous. I say testosterone. <laughs> Demarius Rando says to Sasserone. <laughs> what was that on Howard Knox? I don't know if you guys saw the episode two. <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta catch up on episode three, but I am enjoying uh, the Hard Knocks episode. It's been a while. It got a little stale in in the past few years. I think uh, someone made a point. I can't remember who made it, but it's not too hard to tell. This, I think it was uh, Peter King and his Monday Morning Quarterback. Uh, just the desperation around the team, it really comes through and makes for great television. I still don't think Hugh Jackson is a leader of men. And, you know, that's a topic for another show. Um, also, another topic for another show is is, is the helmet rule. Uh, if I can just have a little mini platform on that here, I will just tell you, just stop it. NFL, just stop it. Stop it right now. You're killing the sports you are killing the sports it's already tough enough for people to tune in listen i don't care what side of the fence you're on the bottom line is this when it comes to this the the anthem and and standing or kneeling or whatever it's a 50 50 it's, it's turning half of your market off now with the helmet rule nonsense you're pissing everybody off and I'll tell you another thing, with all the commercial breaks, it's already tough enough. Thank God for the NFL game pass, because with all these NFL commercials, with all this helmet rule nonsense, I saw a guy, I think it was the Eagles game, I saw a guy 
come in and lower his head so much, okay? He lowered his head so much, he actually made the friggin' tackle with the back of his neck. And they still flagged him, okay? Now, I held my breath for that split second, praying that this player was going to stand up because he damn near paralyzed himself the way he made this tackle because he was so worried about leading with this helmet. He made a tackle with the back of his neck. Stop it because you're just going to get someone injured even worse than before. Just stop it, NFL. Stop it. With that being said, it's a wrap. RIC in a place to be. Rick Saratella telling it like it is, not just when it comes to the NFL draft, but all football, and especially you, Mr. Godell, in the NFL. Just stop it, okay? Don't make me come over and leave the Jersey Shore and drive up to Park Avenue in New York. Just stop the nonsense. Shout out to Justin Gamble. <laughs> At Gam Scout, Joe Everett at Joe W Everett, of course. You can follow me at Rick Saratel, of course. The whole entire Draft Bible family um, at NFL Draft Bible across all of our social media platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of the show. We'll be back next week. We will uh, discuss, we'll, we'll kick into our um, positional previews. Um, if we didn't, you know, I know we didn't get a chance to talk some of the smaller school conferences and the independents. If you guys have any carryovers or leftover prospects that you want to discuss, we'll, we'll try to make some uh, time in the show uh, for, for next week's episode. But we'll get into our positional previews. We'll count you down each and every week here on the NFL Draft Bible Radio Podcast. We'll start it off with quarterbacks next week. We will have um, – Contributor John Blair, who's cranking out some good stuff with his Inside the War Room columns on the NFLDraftBible.com. We'll have him on to talk about his quarterback rankings. Uh, We'll pick apart that. I think he might have Will Greer number one. I could be wrong, but we'll find something to get on his case about. That's for certain. And we'll welcome him into the show with a nice um, (laughs) ravishing Rick Rude awakening. And, no, we're looking forward to having John Blair. He'll – Come in and talk about his rankings at some po- at some point of the show. Of course, Joe and Justin will be back at it again with myself. So keep it locked, everybody. It's a can't stop, won't stop situation. Week zero, we're coming for you, baby. Football Saturday, it's on.